Getting to tour the world by playing music is an experience that one does not and should not pass up. You get to see the world from a variety of vantage points few peek through. You amass experience at an accelerated pace, and you get exposed to a myriad of cultures, flavors, personalities, delicacies, traditions, institutions, and music you would have never found had you decided to stay in one spot. I have never looked back since our band started its engines, and I have never regretted the decision to become a professional nomad. But after 20 years of wandering with guitar in hand, however, I can see the toll of the trade. Toronto is the city I was born and raised in. I have loved this city with all that I've had. As our adventures and journeys took us further and further from Toronto, it made me love my hometown even more when I'd return. But my time away, often longer than time spent at home, has taken a personal toll on me. The streets that accompanied me while growing up have slowly transformed. Landmarks that gave me comfort by their seemingly impervious presence have now been whisked away in favor of the creeping city's love for gentrified condominiums. And most importantly, friends that I held dear have either quietly moved away or distanced themselves due to the protracted time apart. These days, my time spent in my own city is hermetic and far from its center. Because of this, in some respects, I've lost touch with Toronto's spirit. Converse to this are the many friendships that I've formed while out on the road. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but relationships originating on the road have a potency that hometown connections will never have. Maybe it's because the vulnerability of being so far from the safety of home makes people cling tighter to one another. Whatever the case, friendships made on the road endure. And I notice we always pick up seamlessly where we left, last left off, like we saw each other a few weeks ago, when it was more like five years ago. I met Donald Tardy, drummer and co-founder of the legendary Obituary, 13 and a half years ago, when he was drumming in Andrew W.K.'s band for the I Get Wet tour. And we were both co-headlining across Canada together. I remember Donald being so cool to us, along with the rest of the band, and it was a good time had by all. But what I walked away with after the tour was over was my friendship with Donald that continues today. When the tour pulled into the Docks nightclub on the Toronto stop, I went home and grabbed my, pop, my copy of Slowly We Rot for Donald to sign. I'll always relish what he wrote on the gruesome cover, appropriate to the illustrated scene. Danko, brothers through music, friends for life, dot, 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 till death, Donald Tardy. How cool is that? If my record collection was on fire, I'd definitely run back in to grab that album. In case you've lived under a rock for the past 25 years or so, Obituary from Tampa, Florida, are one of the greatest death metal bands that have ever existed. I say that with confidence, knowing few would ever dare dispute it. They are cited as one of the pioneering bands in the death metal genre, along with other Floridian acts like Death, Morbid Angel, and Deicide. A lot of so-called music pundits, people who write or rather rewrite music history, while focusing on Nirvana's seismic shift in the early 90s, 
always overlook an equal displacement within the metallic world. When bands like Napalm Death, Carcass, and Obituary ascended the throne and were crowned the new kings of the genre after the vacancy left by Thrash. This past November, we played Speedfest in Eindhoven, Holland, an event curated by Eindhoven's punk rock masters, Peter Pan Speedrock, a band that I love and a band we've played with many times over the years. Their Speedfest has slowly grown into the premier heavy rock shindig in all of Europe. Only under Peter Pan Speedrock's supervision can they call lineups like this year, consisting of The Dictators, The Backyard Babies, Carcass, Judah, Mondo Generator, Refused, High on Fire, Voivod, and, of course, Obituary, to name a few. Originally set to headline was Eagles of Death Metal, but we all know after the Paris attacks, the Eagles had to bow out, unable to fulfill their headline slot of Speedfest. Everyone understood why, but the rocking carried on. When I knew Donald Tardy would be in my midst for a whole day, I could not let it pass without wrangling him onto our tour bus and recording our conversation for podcast posterity. Afterwards, Donald and company hit the stage and basically crushed Speedfest. In our camp, it was pretty much unanimous to all that watched that Obituary had the best set at Speedfest. When I got home from the tour, I started to notice news about the first annual Florida Death Fest with Obituary, Corrosion of Conformity, Deicide, Madball, Trouble, Atheist, and others on January 30th of this year at the Cuban Club in Tampa, Florida, with Donald and John Tardy as organizers. I had to call Donald up and talk about it via Skype. So this podcast, much like episode number 42 with Duff McKagan and Damien Abraham, was recorded at two different times and mashed together as one. Thanks to Blue Mike Microphones and Skull Candy Headphones for supporting the podcast. Thanks to Chino Locos Restaurants for making fish burritos stuffed with chow mein noodles. And thank you for listening. And to those of you who have left a rating or review on iTunes or SoundCloud, thank you very much as well. Subscribing to this podcast is absolutely free. I upload these episodes every two weeks, so it won't bung up your feed um, on your iTunes or anything. Anyway, here's my friend, Donald Tardy, from Obituary, on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. And long live Motorhead. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the Guinness Danko School, still up for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from Fox 2. Stop playing Hang 2. Danko Jones has a podcast. It's called the Danko Jones Podcast. La da 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 da. La da 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 da. Danko loves Mexican food. When we go out, he'll always turn to me and say, It's taco time, Jerry. <laughs> we order everything on the menu burritos, empanadas, carne asada flautas, enchiladas with mole sauce, chalupas, menudo, agua de horchata, moronga. Torta de milanesa, queso flameado, torta de huevo, torta de jamón, and a tall glass of water. It's delicious, and the company isn't too bad either. <laughs> Ladies!
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Daco Jones podcast starts. Yeah! Donald Tardy's here at the back of our bus at Speedfest, and Donald, it's awesome to have you here. Finally, finally. Yeah, thank you very much. Very excited to be a part of Speedfest and uh, perform today, but and uh, and get to witness you on stage later on. Yeah, we missed we missed each other uh, this past summer at Vakin. I was actually like looking on the side. I usually don't look because it nerves me out. But I was like, Donald's got to be here somewhere. And then I got your text. Yeah, and instead I was actually in the lobby, and we got that sad reality that shuttles are only coming here. Danko's about to start. But uh, we we were able to stream it live, and I was sitting there watching you on my iPhone going, I wish I was there. <laughs> and then we had to leave, yeah. so we missed your set, because you guys went on real late. Oh, yeah, that was another great wake-up call for Obituary, is we, uh, we were the last band on the last little tent, <laughs> the last day of the festival, so... That was uh, we slam packed the tent, so it was cool. But still, it was a, a long weekend. From, I can imagine for fans, full of mud. You know, it was mud yeah. fest this this year. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like we recorded that uh, our set for a DVD release, and when the when the cameras pan out, you could see kind of pockets of people, and so I had to do the um, what do you call this the the commentary for the DVD. Yeah. So I yeah. kept saying. That's supposed to be filled with people. There's there is mud. It's an, <laughs> it wasn't a thin crowd, um, but yeah, no, it sucked that we couldn't uh, meet up in Vakin. But here we are uh, at Speedfest, and you guys are currently on tour with Carcass, Napalm, Death, and Voivod. Yeah. And Speedfest just took the whole tour yeah. under its wing. Yeah. Which very, is really cool. Very cool. And uh, these fans are lucky to, to for that package. I mean, we're we're fortunate to be a part of such a cool tour that uh, Carcass came to us and asked and we were like, are you kidding? That's a no-brainer. Don't don't ask again, Jeff Walker asked and immediately we were like, absolutely. So, is it Carcass's tour? It is It is Carcass playing last, but as Jeff Walker says most nights on stage, you bastards, <laughs> Obituary should be playing last. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I should be playing last. Nate Palm should play last. Um, it's you know what for those four bands, any of them could be headlining, uh, and they do on their own tour. So we're we're just again we somehow came together and made a dream lineup, and uh, and it's it really has been cool. The band members just everyone's getting along. Even though now it's already 25 or 26 shows into it, we still have nine more to go. Long tour, but everybody is super cool. They're veterans, and uh, and it's a great tour. Yeah, there's something to be said for going out with like seasoned bands you don't have to go through you know we we take out a lot of young bands and sometimes there's you know i won't mention names but there's always an incident that shows just how green they are yeah. and they just gotta like learn how to like that's right you know deal with the headlining band or the other bands yeah. it has nothing to do with rock star bullshit it just has to do with respect that's and, right. you know and living conditions because it's yeah. not about how how much fun it is on stage or how much fun it is to watch them for their 45 minutes on stage it is when you're living together and yeah. in the hallways of of backstage rooms and in you know in bathrooms when you shouldn't be when it's time for someone to get to go dump one down be quickly before a show and someone's <laughs> someone's in the bathroom still flossing their teeth you yeah, know and yeah, you're just exactly, like I told exactly. you yesterday man you gotta just prepare let us use the bathroom for that yeah and living on the bus you know same thing you know yeah. it, so it is it's a wonderful thing it's us Napalm and Voifod sharing a bus which at first we were like holy wow. moly this is gonna be crazy and instead it was like holy moly it's like so cool 
It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we're, we we crammed on there like cattle, but um, we're having a blast because again, everyone's cool, man. You sharing sharing crew and all that stuff. Yeah, we are. We you know everyone brought a little piece of what they needed. You know, usually like sound guy, stage guy, but um, you know, it, it's very minimal. I think these bands are they're they're everyone's self sufficient and uh, and and pretty minimal with the crew, and everyone helps out. The crews all help each other out with the load ins and load outs. So working well i can imagine that all the, that tour is like slammed with people like yeah. it's packed every night that's a it's an probably the best metal tour right now it, it is and you know capacity crowds sellouts and people coming out of the woodwork i mean i think it's one of those things where old even the old schoolers that are just bitter and old and maybe broke they just they still there was no question pre-sale tickets are ridiculous and uh and and you can tell you can see it with the fans they love it they at the end of it you can read the posts afterwards people are like i can't believe it happened i can't believe it's happening tomorrow i'm going for sure or oh my god it sold out and now i just you know i want to go to the next town that you guys are going to be at so that's great man it's what a feeling to know that you you know fans are coming out of the every corner to come see us well inked in blood is a, a great return for obituary to come out like just come out of the gate it's it's a, it's an amazing album i mean i i even said it on social media i posted the uh the album cover when it came out and um but you guys had a really unique way of putting this album out even though it is I'm I'm confused. It's under the relapse banner, but there's a big but, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were a free agency. We were not a part of a record label. We didn't even look for a record label. We uh, we were writing songs for four years. Um, we own the studio. We've done the last two albums on our own, which is uh, a blessing. And um and and this time we, I stood and got behind the board and uh, and engineered it because uh you know we've been tinkering for three and four years on uh on the Pro Tools rig, so we did. We actually just said you know what let's go for it. Let's to start recording it and let's see what happens and uh the the uh the kickstarter campaign was an idea just to raise money to actually fund us while we're doing the record and uh and then the record label started coming to us and we just you know we we had open ears to everybody and relapse was the one that just kind of came in and said let's just do a licensing deal let us put it out there everywhere oh, we see. can okay. and uh, and give us two years to sell it and uh, and then uh, and then obituary just gets the rights back and we kept our publishing rights and it's the first time we actually felt confident as a band that we own it and that's if people know obituary we we just like a lot of early uh, roadrunner bands we signed the worst contracts literally on the planet and uh, so it felt good to just know that you know what we have a part of this thing and uh and proud to say you know what we recorded it we uh did everything we produced it ourselves and uh and it might not be the most proper recording but it sounds metal. It sounds heavy as fuck. I mean, <laughs> it sounds. I I don't have an ear for. I, I you know hang out with engineers and they're like, can you hear that? Can you hear that? That's off. I'm like, what? What? I it sounds fucking great. Yeah. So I, I I can't hear anything. Yeah, and you know I I was the last person to probably be in charge of I should not have been but but we went for it you know we went for it and we knew it was going to be old school recording there's not sound replacements it's just a drum kit in a room and you hear it and and we went for it but you've been doing that since Executioner's Return haven't you or That's was right. it even before no the, the Executioner's Return and the Darkest Day album we we recorded ourselves we had our engineer Mark Prater in Tampa to come and make sure to kind of babysit us and make sure that you're not doing something wrong with the Pro Tools system but um, we, this time we took it took the reins on our own and just kind of went for it you know 
know, and again, like I said, it might not be the most proper recording. You hear phase issues. I do. Um, when I was pointed out to me by an engineer, he's like, do you hear that? I'm like, what? He's like, just listen to Tom's. I'm like, oh yeah, I do. I didn't recognize. Thanks for pointing that out afterwards. But, um, proud, you know, we're proud that we did it ourselves. I don't think hard rock and heavy metal should be perfect. That's just my thing. In the age of Pro Tools and and all these kind of gadgets, I'm still, I like it to be well played, but like this perfect thing, sometimes when I hear bands that are perfect, yeah. it just turns me off. No, I agree, especially as a drummer that prides himself on, you can take a handful of microphones and throw them in the room and let them land anywhere and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a good recording because I'm confident behind the drum kit especially and only with obituary songs that that is my stuff and uh, and 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 I know that we'll get a good recording so with the Pro Tools rig and a little bit of knowledge over the years of you know proper mic placements and stuff it, it did come out like kind of old school and, and real you know you can tell there's not and there's not sound replacing going on because it sounds a little bit too too dirty to be to be sound replaced you know and uh, and I, I'm proud of that yeah i mean uh hanging out with obviously engineers and producers you know on downtime during a production you know there's i've been pointed out all the mistakes john bonham made on zeppelin albums you know so and and on the other hand you could again john bonham you could just throw microphones in that room and he just gets that sound and you saw it on the recordings that 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 led zeppelin has he's just phenomenal drummer and it could be one microphone in the room he's still going to get a good uh, a mix you're going to hear everything he does because he plays well yeah and, uh, and that's just that's what i base myself on, up upon is, is a john bonham or a vinnie apice that i'm the by far not the best drummer in the planet and there's dudes that run circles around me that i actually freak out and love watching but i know that i'm solid and that's i'm cool with that you know yeah so. What's the state of uh, Tardy Brothers project? What's all that? I got, I got, a, I got probably half an album that I'm still working on right now. Probably five or six songs, and uh, and we're just so busy right now with obituary that uh, I'm excited about some of the riffs that I got going on. My brother's got ideas, and uh, that's just a project that we're having a blast doing. That we're not in a hurry, so we're just gonna wait and make sure we have a full. A, a real uh, release before we even make a word about it and uh, again it's a project that we're having a blast with but obituary obviously is super busy which is a wonderful thing and uh, that's priority and we're, and we're staying we're staying busy but Tardy Brothers will be something there's recordings actually I'm super stoked on some of these songs we got oh awesome but but Inked and Blood is like it's it's about a year old, am I right? So, is the cycle of that album coming to a close? Or I don't know, man. We're old oh, dudes, really? you know. We're not the guys to put out a, an album every other year, you know. Right. The, it, it was five years since the the last one, in, Inked and Blood. So, we already have songs that we're already um, in our back pockets, and and a lot of killer riffs. But again. You know that this is—it's a big planet to get to every corner, and, and with Inkton Blood, we want to make sure we go everywhere, and, uh, and and tour, tour our asses off, man. I think fans deserve it. We we love doing it. You know, we have Ken and Terry in the band now, and it, it's such a tight knit right now. We're having more fun than we've ever had, and uh, and touring's a big part of it. it it's uh, obituary is. Um, we, we are decent on albums, but we are uh, we're pretty damn good live, and we enjoy it so much that we're gonna we're gonna push hard and um, and get to every corner of this globe that we can. Did you say Ken? Ken, yeah, he's he's in obituary now. Yeah, yeah, That's, Ken. Yeah, Ken where is he today? I he's haven't here. seen him. He's here. Oh man, I gotta yeah. say hi to him. Yeah, Ken's here. Um, we we begged him. He was uh he was very busy as a guitar tech. You know, he was when you when when you first met him probably or when you is when he played guitar with me with Andrew WK, mm-hmm. and uh, and 
I told him back then, I said, just be prepared. I'm going to ask you to be a part of obituary. But then he got super busy teching for a lot of... For a lot Andrew? of not, not, No, Andrew. He and Andrew, he and I left Andrew pretty much at the same time. But then he started getting... He got real busy with Trivium. He then was a guitar tech for um, an American band, uh, Matchbox 20. So he stayed oh. extremely busy. Whoa. Yeah, and they actually put him on a retainer contract to where he had to just be on call with them for a year. And that's right when I asked him. He's like, oh, man. He's like, I just... I said, dude, that's only one year. I'm talking about for here, from here on out, brother. This, is, you know, here we go. And sure enough, man, he he called me that's later awesome. and he's like, dude, if you're serious about that, he's like, I'm in. I'm really? so in. And so he came and he helped us and he recorded. He recorded the album with us. Those are his awesome. solos on the record. He actually played his rhythm part too as well with with Trevor's sound. So yeah, with with Ken and, and Terry Butler. You know, we brought we brought in the, the 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 monster of all monsters. You know, the man who's been around metal longer than most of us. And um with those two dudes it was the final pieces to the puzzle and you, and you can see it you can see it in uh, how we are on stage and just the happiness coming out of I can see it the just the happiness coming out of the bodies of this band right now we're we're organized we're super happy and we're best friends and we're having a blast well that's uh, hard to get yeah uh, as a band whether people know it or not yeah but once you, if you can get it you got to hold on to that yeah and, and with Terry, you know, it's, we've known Terry for 30 years. That's what, he's been a Tampa dude. We actually, me and Trevor actually went to school with his sister. He's a couple years older than we were, but we, we were actually in, you know, Trevor's first home, I remember him saying, first time he made it to Tampa and went to uh, school, it was Amy Butler. And, and that's when we know, but, you know, Terry was a part of Massacre and, of course, with Death. And uh, so we've known Terry forever. So that was an easy, it was an easy easy decision when when it was time for a bass player and and we wondered why 30 years ago he wasn't a part of the band mm -hmm. and of course it's because he was busy with death and we were busy as a, a young band and but the good thing is we're finally you know we are a niche right now and uh, and good friends and kicking ass well i just remember when um you, obituary came through town on executioner's return and ken was ken played in the band that night yeah. because a couple of the dudes couldn't get over yeah. the border so he That's was right. I remember last time I saw him he was real stoked he was like <laughs> I'm gonna play tonight and now I see him again and he's in the band That's, That's right. he was he he, uh, he teched for us for a little while he actually played bass guitar on stage a few nights because of just whatever was I, for, I mean it's years ago I forget but uh, it's super cool I mean you can't ask for a nicer guy him and Butler both they're both just good mood guys they're just always in a good mood they're positive no matter what happens you can't get a smile off of Ken's face on stage. He's so stoked. And that that means a lot, man. And that puts band members in the right frame of mind when you get ready to hit the stage. Because, as you know, when you pull up to some festivals or some shows, it's, it's just, it's not, we know it's not all glam and glory. And, in fact, sometimes it's way worse than that. It's usually manic you don't get what you not only that you what you want but you don't get what you need when it comes to just proper getting able to eat before the show or you're missing this or you can't even figure out where this is but then you got to somehow go out there and kill it and and you're expected to put on a performance that people are going to remember for the rest of their lives and and with Ken and Terry they they're always ready and Ken gets so excited just about being in a band finally that he's proud of and ready to kick ass that it, it feeds on it. We feed on that, and uh, and we've had we've been having some really kick-ass performances because of uh, good mood dudes. Yeah, he is. He was always when we did the Andrew WK tour together. He was always a, a, a cool guy to hang with and stuff. And yeah, that was. I mean, it was a our our tour with you guys in '02 was was really 
It was really weird because Andrew should have been headlining at that point. And so you guys were just kicking our ass every night. It was a it was a, a crazy tour to be on, yeah. if you remember that. Do oh, you no, I, don't, I totally remember it. That's, you know, that on the contrary, I'm glad that you were playing after us because it gave me a chance to actually finish and actually crack a beer and say, oh, my God, I get to watch this again. Oh, man. that's awesome. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a fun experience, man. It was all across Canada. Yeah. Most, most shows I've ever, most cities I've ever, ever even dreamed of seeing across Canada, and that was a cool experience for myself. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we get to perform you and I on stage together like we are about to today that yeah, we actually today. we get to be in events because we don't see each other that much man no. and it's always good and, and like you said last time it was whack and I was so ex- I was excited months before and then the reality of sitting in a lobby of a hotel and having to watch you on a on a <laughs> two-inch screen you know was a bummer but I'm excited about today no it's it's, it's I'm I'm really happy the speed fest always the lineups are always stellar every year I don't know how the guys in Peter Pan Speed Rock do it but they manage to get like really cool lineups every year it's different we've played it we played it in 2012 and even back then it was an amazing nice. amazing lineup so when we heard you guys were on I was like obituaries on the whole tour is on like that's amazing <laughs> is Bill Steer in, in Carcass on oh, this yeah. tour oh, oh, yeah. okay. oh and it's unbelievable just to, to, to see and you know Carcass it's it's funny because Carcass has the two new like young bucks as well to, to 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 add that piece to the puzzle and you could tell they're they're great you know Dan the drummer so, you can't get any more any more solid and and Ben on guitar he's he's flawless to both of them and uh, and it just helps with Jeff Walker and Bill Steer you could see the two veterans with these two young dudes holding their backs and uh, it it's great it's they're they're so good live like that that new album which is now I guess a couple years old but. Yeah. That album blew me away. I think it blew the I think it blew the metal world away. But it, it absolutely knocked my socks off. Just the production of it and the songwriting and Bill's, just his guitar playing and the phrasing on his solos. You know you do, you don't hear drummers talk much about you know but anything but drummers. But uh, that album man, Bill just blew he blows me away with his songwriting and his his guitar capabilities well yeah the thing I like about Bill Steer is he was in Firebird and I love Firebird and here's a guy who's kind of got his name from like metal but he's got this other side to him and I think and and you're the same way like a lot of these metal guys whether the people who buy their albums or not know that most of the metal guys and the metal bands you know are rock and roll dudes yeah. too like everybody loves back in black everybody yep. so um that's why whenever i i like i read on of course you shouldn't read social media but i read like people's comments going like rock and roll, what's this rock fucking blah 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 I'm like don't you get it dude like yeah. all of us are into and so i'm in a rock band i'm into metal right the same way all the metal dudes are into rock like that's right and so bill's like someone i kind of like go Use an example. Go see. He did Firebird. He's in yeah. Gentleman's Pistols, That's which right. is another amazing band, right. and he's in Carcass. That's right. Like so. And it's, I think I think he was a founding member of Napalm Death. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, might yeah, be wrong. Yeah, you know, yeah, someone, yeah. someone can post and tell me that I'm wrong, but I think I think Bill was the one of the original, uh, the original in in the band, and uh, which is it's that's just as amazing. And then of course, like you said, rock. You know, you know it's it's one of them things, man. Metal's metal. Metal came from rock. Rock is metal. Yeah, I. You know, you can't you can't put it you can't put you can't deny that. You know, we all grew up before the word death metal 
yeah. even became I was I was playing drums at seven years old, so I was listening to Queen and ACDC and Leonard Skinner and Outlaws and ZZ Top. There was no you know, then of course Black Sabbath entered our lives and Slayer and you know, that yeah. that was the end of it, of course, and yeah. both my feet were moving and I just wanted to be Dave Lombardo, but it started with rock, man. Yeah. That's the thing. I, you know, what you know, hopefully I always try to like you know, wave the flag and see, you know, but it's nice to know like people like Bill Steer do yeah. it as well. So, yeah. and, and it, it just occurred to me that this tour you're on with, with all those bands, to me, when I, when I think of death metal, I think of like the wave that happened in the early nineties, at least from my observation is like, I'm thinking 90, 91. It was obituary, carcass, napalm, and morbid angel. Right. But those well, those were the four bands right. that uh, really signaled the wave of like kind of almost the death of thrash. Almost like there was just no more thrash yeah. metal after you guys came. Yeah. And so it's nice to see that all you guys are kind of bonded together yeah. into t- 2015. Yeah. I just I just realized that because. Yeah, it is. It's just again. It goes back to this tour and the lineup. How how it came together and how everyone said yes and had their schedules ready for it. It's a. It is a dream lineup. We're lucky to be a part of it. We're fortunate to be uh, alive and healthy at this point. And um, so stoked. So stoked that we actually were able to be doing it and and on this tour and 25 shows into it. Usually at, after five weeks on the on the road, you know, you you kind of get burned down, you get beat up, and you're ready. You're ready for your pillow at home, and you're ready to go see the children and the, and the wives and the friends. But on this tour, man, it's like I'm counting down when other band members are counting down. You know, ten days till the to the flight home, I'm like, only nine more shows to watch Carcass, oh, wow. and only nine more that I'm going to have to get up and go watch some Voivod tonight, because I know it's going to be over soon. They're playing tonight while we're playing. Are they really? Yeah, fuck. Oh. <laughs> they're they're on 20 minutes, and then we go on. So, it's a, I'm like, fuck. I don't know how you're going to pull that off. You have to go see if the first song with yeah. your guitar strapped on and just go running through the backstage. Yeah, get pretty out much. Away. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but uh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, how is it touring with them? Because they would be, out of the four bands, the not the odd band out, but yeah. you, just like I mentioned, you three came in the yeah. same wave. How is it with Voivod? It's super cool. Because again, if it was another really, really heavy metal, death metal, it, it wouldn't have made it as cool. Instead, they are a little bit different flavor to the lollipop, and it makes it a cool, very cool evening. Because you know there is napalm and there's blast beats flying and carcass. Mm-hmm. That drummer is blast beating like crazy, and then of course the cavemen come out in obituary. We we hold down some death metal, but but. You watch away on the drum kit, and he's it's so fun to watch him because it's different music, it's a different vibe. He's just so, he just, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. You just got to see Voivod, you know, to, to understand it, but it is. It does, it to me, it adds a little breath of fresh air, and, uh, and, and maybe, maybe they're, there's people saying I wish it was a different band, but I see in general everyone's accepting it, especially the fans, because they, they are legends, man. Those are old school dudes, and they're and they're throwing it down with their style. They're killer. They're killer live. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you uh, something that's because uh, I'm a big Kiss fan, and um, I have to relate. There's something about you that's very Kiss esque because you are a drummer. And you are the real Catman. Yeah. You are the real Peter Chris Catman. Can yeah. you can you tell me about that? Like. Yeah. You know I, I um, 
I just took it on because I, I where I live in Florida, and just like most of the southern hemisphere of this world, there's no real harsh winter times. So in Tampa, Florida, the winter never comes, so cats just breed and breed and breed. So the homeless cat population is a little bit is is a real big problem. So I just learned because I was tired of seeing cats getting run over and kittens dead in parking lots and just homeless cats digging out of garbage cans. I just learned what a, a, a process called trap, neuter, and return from the Humane Society in Tampa, and it's exactly what that means. You you just you know cats live in colonies behind like a Taco Bell or behind a apartment complex. They don't go running around like a dogwood. They stay in a in a colony. And so I just, in my little one square mile of, of my home, I just learned from just, okay, I see, a, you know, a little three, four cat colony. You go in there and you trap them and uh, you take them to Humane Society and they get vaccinated, spay neutered, and they get a, they, they take a little tip off their left ear so you can see who's been done. And uh, and they get vaccinated. So they get it all done and, and then you re- return them right where you, once they heal, you return them right where they, where they were trapped. They live their lives. They can't keep breeding. It com- and completely eliminates the, the process of breeding. And uh, it's really just the humane way of just trying to stop the population problem in my area. I've been doing it for 11 years, my girlfriend and I. I um, but then, of course, I'm a cat lover and I'm an I'm a, I'm a animal lover. So we have 25 colonies that we have done, um, maybe 180, 200 cats. And uh, before I eat dinner every evening, I just go and I, I drop I drop some food and fresh water for my colonies uh, before before I eat. And uh, it's uh, it turned into quite the adventure, and I'm passionate about it. So I make sure that they don't go hungry. I don't want them, you know, I don't want them getting shot and getting humans getting mad at them. So digging through garbage cans. So instead, I provide them with their, you know, a little bit of cat food and water every evening. And the the most important thing that and the reason that I do that because on a daily basis, you just I just monitor, make sure no new ones are showing up because, you know, one one female that's pregnant, she's gonna have babies and a cat within four months old can be pregnant again so you can just imagine a litter of nine turns into 200 real fast so uh long story short you know we 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 simply learned educated ourselves and uh and we just helped the population problem of homeless cats in, in my area and uh it's just a constant little you know just make sure anyone new ones that show up you just snatch them up t and arm trap new to return and uh and we've successfully done it for 11 years and like the 25 colonies i take care of there's no new ones there's no there's no more breeding they're they're not populating more um they get to live their lives and uh and they're vaccinated so what, what do you mean by 25 colonies, colonies. what's that yeah. A a cat will just live somewhere. A cat, like whether you know it or not, in your neighborhood, if you stop behind like a pharmacy or a grocery store, if you wait long enough, you'll see there'll be a cat. That next day, if you go and you wait long enough, you're going to see that same cat. In fact, they live. They live. They make colonies. They just they'll live in the same spot their entire life. A dog is a dog's a pack hunter. They'll run and they'll just kind of keep roaming. They'll just keep moving until they either get like you know sadly, homeless dogs. They usually get hit by cars because they're just constantly just walking. Right. Cats don't. Cats just they find a colony and they they colonize. They'll literally live behind places and uh, and and keep breeding if you allow them to. And that, that's the that was what we learned real quick just to step in because when you step in and you you control a colony and you and you eliminate the breeding process they all still live there but 
new males that come in and realize all these women don't want me, it, it they actually go and find a, a, another place to, to live. And it actually, like, in your neighborhood, if you take care of the population problem, it's amazing how much it, it helps to, the, the full population problem of the neighborhood because... Uh, there's like where I live, you know, 99% of the of the cats they they spay neutered and and, uh, and we we eliminated the breeding process of homeless animals and we're we've we've cut it down quite a lot. And then of course the young ones. Anytime we find a kitten, you know, a, a, a litter of kittens, if they're young enough, we snatch them up. I usually bring them into my bathroom and socialize them, make sure they're friendly enough. And then the Humane Society and two other rescue groups help me with uh, with uh, adoptions, uh, like a program for adopting. Wow. And uh, and that's another big thing. Any of the friendly ones that we can get off the streets, we want them off the streets. I don't I don't put every cat. I don't just trap and throw them right back out. If they're friendly and we have a, they have a chance, then they're absolutely part of a, a a program through the Humane Society or a couple different rescues that try and get them to find them homes. And especially the kittens, we snatch the kittens up and uh, get them socialized and get them vaccinated. And 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 we have really good success rate with um, with getting kittens adopted out and into homes. Well, when you say you have 25 colonies and you feed them every night, and because cats colonize and don't leave certain spots, do you travel around Tampa or something, like every night or something? It is one square mile. It's amazing because I live near a huge university, and uh, you know the population of cats there. It's just a, it, 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 there's a lot of them, so it's not like I'm driving all around Tampa. Right. Um, it is literally just one square mile. Right. You know, it's very small, but yeah, it's 25 stops. You know, it's wow. It is absolutely 25 spots. Some of them are only three cats that live, you know, literally behind like a Chick Fil A or a Burger King, but uh, but they're always there. They deserve a little bit food and they don't I don't want them digging in dumpsters and getting hurt and uh but then I have some that are 18 cat colonies behind like you know big bowling alley or something that I've I've got them all fixed and they they just live out in the woods and they hear my truck come pulling in and it's actually pretty amazing that they 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 can hear my truck from I can be of two football fields away and I don't know if it's the the noise of the the tires or the engine it's and cars are always going back but they know my truck the minute I pull into the parking lot you'll see he's here Woo! get to eat tonight you are the cat man. <laughs> you are the real cat man. That's amazing that yeah. you play drums and you, yeah, you know, just and, and people that don't understand it or people some you know, there's not animal people are not all animal lovers. So there's a lot of people especially that know how to voice their you know, hide behind a computer and voice their disapproval of what I do. They think oh, you all you're doing is you blah, 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 you're putting food out. It, you know what? If I didn't, if I'm not doing it, then all they're doing is breeding, and they're still they they're still going to be there. I didn't put them out there. I'm just trying to help the breeding stop. And right. so, if you hate cats, then you should applaud me for what I do. Right. If you love cats, then the next time you see me, give me a hug because I'm 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 down with helping animals. And and if you don't understand that, um, then educate yourself because we're not we're, we're not we're not putting cats out. We're actually solving a problem with um, with just cutting down the population problem. Now, what happens when you're on the road for five weeks so yeah. far? Wonderful question, and that's Heather. That's that's my girlfriend, who I, I've known her for going on 26 years, and we've been together for 17. Cat lovers, metalheads, um, and she she's been holding down a full time job for 25 years at the you know at, at where she works. So she has to take over, and uh, I have two wonderful friends that help me as well because it is a lot you know it's one thing for me to go out there and bust out and and feed but to have a full-time job like she does and not even getting off work till seven to think she's going to go and conquer it on her own is near impossible so um just two two 
angels that, that help us, uh, two good friends of ours that help help do some of the feeding, and, and Heather steps up and has to, uh, you know, really bust her ass while I'm gone, and uh, that's why when we say, you know, oh, you know, you're going out on a five-week tour, and, yeah, you know, children, you missed children in that, I, I just know, I'm the only band member without kids except i also know that when i leave you know it's it's a hell of a toll for her to to hold down the the, the fort and the and the gangs and uh and she does she does that very well yeah wow that's uh that's something that i i really didn't i wouldn't have uh i wouldn't have guessed i'm allergic to cats <laughs> <laughs> and dogs so um i always just wave to them <laughs> I used to I used to go out with someone. She had two cats in in an apartment, and it was uh, I'd always walk out of there. The moment I leave yeah. her place, everything clears up. You know. But yeah. while I was there, I would just be scratching Itching. and yeah. It's, yeah, it's just how it is, you know. That's right. Yeah. And there's a lot of people allergic, you know. And you, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can do, people say, oh, you take a pill, this and that, but there's nothing more miserable than when you're just all scratching up and your eyes are. You know, you feel. I I know. I have I have animal. Um, I have friends that try to come over and watch games. Like at my brother's house, who you know, he has a couple dogs, and I, we we had a, a studio cat there for a while. And friends that come over and try and hang at the studio, they just you see them immediately start itching and just scratching up, and their eyes are they're sneezing the entire yeah. football game. And uh, I get it. I don't know what I would do because you know, because not only do I have homeless cats outside, I also have a zoo at home because some of the special needs cats and the ones that were, you know, some of the ones that were injured from humans and right. you know like one of my one of my like my mascot you know Heather and I we you know we started once we realized we're doing this and people keep asking and we call it the metal Meowlicia and uh, so people it's, it, on the on the obituary website there's a part of it on the emails that just says help cats and you can go read about what we do anyway it just you know it's just it's one of those things where special needs um, the metal Meowlicia we just we we always try to just educate people and uh and uh, you know some of the cats that once you trap them and you realize okay one of them he his i was feeding his whole family for years and i came pulling up and uh the, most of them were gone and he was there but his eye was hanging out and i'm like fuck man i didn't know what it was so i snatched him up and brought him to the emergency vet and he, he uh he was shot. He was shot with a BB gun. So they did an X-ray before the before the surgery. They did an X-ray. He had 11 BBs. Someone just sat there and pop shot at him multiple times, just again and again. Kept sh- and, and he lived. I don't know how and what makes people do something to an innocent animal. And uh, and then of course a few years later, the same thing. His brother, who still lived at that same gas station, um, we had to do a, a surgery on him as well, and he had seven BBs in him as well. So, it's just one of those things where just you know, not everyone's down with uh, homeless animals, and then some people are just straight up evil, I guess, you know. But I'm here just to simply say I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to change the world. I just wanted to help my community because I was tired of seeing how many homeless animals, and I just educated myself. How do I help? How do I help the cats, man? And it was easy. It's not that hard. It's expensive, but it's a it's a fun it's a fun hobby. <laughs> how, how many? Um, do you only have cats as pets? At, at, at my house, yeah, 
I mean, how many how many cats do you have? I'll I'll plead the fifth on that one, but uh, right. you know, okay. okay. No, that's all good. That's okay. <laughs> no, we got we we have a few, and it is it's usually special needs, whether it's a three-legged or one-eyed. You know, the ones that you could that we can't put back outside that right. we just simply said, you know what, and and they're unadoptable. They're they're friendly with me because for years I fed them, but any other human, right. I have friends come over and they said, I thought you said you had a bunch of cats. I'm like, yeah, they just dove into the closet when they heard your car pull up. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. That. You know. Yeah. So, but it, it's good. You know, I'm a cat guy. Well, you know, I've I've had friends who've adopted, uh, you know, dogs who were abused and stuff, and they are they do behave a little differently than uh, a regular dog, and and more loyal, and as expected, more loyal and a little bit more skittish. Because if you were kicked and beaten when you were a puppy, um, things, you know, you wonder what the hell happened, and uh, it kind of sticks with you, and. um, you know, again, the cat thing. It's just uh, I'm not going to put a one-eyed cat with 11 BBs in him back to that spot who's who people are, are shooting at. You know, so instead we just said, you know what, you're you're going to hang with me. This is your house now. Enjoy it. Scratched my couch up as much as you want. That couch is there for you to, you know, enjoy enjoy life now. Apparently, life wasn't that much fun out there. So. And thank God most of our colonies, they're in safe spots. They're usually in the back of neighborhoods in the woods somewhere or behind a restaurant where there's at least some bushes and stuff that they can go find refuge and sleep sleep away from traffic and stuff. And where I feed them, I try to keep it out of the way of, out of the sight of humans and, and out of the way of traffic and, and all that good stuff. Wow. That's amazing, Donald. That's uh. That's a, an amazing story. Uh, I, cool. I I would never have uh, have guessed that, but that's it's just it's just amazing. I mean, I'm someone who, if you know anybody who knows me, knows that I'm really really. If like the fact that you just said goodbye to your couch, that's that takes a lot for me. Right. I would just be like, um, oh, uh, oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess if you own a zoo, you better be prepared for some right. barf on the floor every now and then. And right. this is that's the way it is, yeah, you know. Right. It's just like when you have children, you know. Do you know you know the first thing you're going to sacrifice as a father with an infant is my sleep. I know for a fact I am never lo- I am no longer going to sleep like I did before the baby entered the house. And I and I know that because I, there are 11 children in this band. I'm an uncle of many, and uh, so I saw my brother and my brothers and my sister um go through that, and especially with John. He has two wonderful children, but um, and I lived, I we lived together forever until he was married, and and the, the first baby showed up, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I got to go move out because this is crazy. <laughs> infants, I, I'll do, I'll do cat barf on the floor and clean that up long, long before uh, infants and crying. Doing midnight diaper change yeah, duty. Too. I was not. I was. Uh, I'm a great uncle, but I'm not midnight <laughs> diaper change guy. You know. Right, right. right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Donald, man. I'm just gonna I'm gonna say have a good show tonight yeah. at Speedfest. I'm gonna yeah. catch you guys. It's gonna be awesome, and uh, I really want to end the podcast with Beth. I should end with an obituary track. <laughs> <laughs> and here is the second half with Donald Tardy when I called him up on Skype to ask him about the first annual Florida Metal Festival happening January 30th of this year, 2016 at the Cuban Club in Tampa, Florida. So Donald, how was the tour? You're back home. Uh, yeah. How was it? It was amazing. It was long. My God, I saw you while we were over there, but uh, I think it was 34 shows in six weeks. Well, you're home now, and uh, I was very surprised, and then started seeing it on your Twitter, the obituary Twitter, very surprised that we did a podcast and we never talked about the Florida Metal Fest that's happening next month, 
January 30th, 2016. You and your brother John are instrumental. You are the founders of this festival. That is correct, and I could not be any more excited about it. Um, I have been wanting to do a festival for the Tampa Bay area for a long time. Florida people deserve it. We just have never had the means of putting it together, the money to actually try and make it happen, and the scheduling with bands is always a nightmare, as you know. So even though we always asked other Florida bands, would you want to do a show together, us and Deicide, and we always said it would be fun, it would be fun, it would be fun, but it never worked out. And finally, we pulled the trigger, and, uh, and we not only confirmed some amazing Florida bands, we also brought in some big dogs and, uh, and, and, and added a little bit of flavor, bringing in Corrosion of Conformity and bringing in Trouble. Trouble. Um, yeah, which is amazing because, yeah. again, this is a Florida metal festival for Florida people. So it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be all Florida bands. And we were very, very deliberate on some of the bands we brought in so it wasn't just straight up death metal. And that was very important for myself. I noticed the corrosion of conformity, the trouble, the mad ball, they're all in there. It kind of rounds out the festival. But what what struck me is you guys, how did you guys go on this massive tour and knowing you had to organize this festival? Were you guys on the phone all day long before sound check? Yeah, we were, you know, and and, and thank God mm-hmm. for social networking and, and the internet and being able to communicate through WhatsApp and Skype and uh and, and that is exactly how we uh, still kept the ball rolling with organizing the festival. We, we, you know, we confirmed a lot of these bands a long time ago, so some of the legwork was already done. But yes, like you said, we were in Europe and still keeping our fingers crossed and scratching our heads and pulling our hair out, trying to confirm some of the bands that made it very important for us. And Trouble and COC were a huge part of that for us to uh to simply make this a a wonderful festival and uh and we pulled it off and we were in the middle of uh touring and being on the bus and trying to find wi-fis backstage and uh and we still kept it going and uh and now that we're home we hit the ground running full blast and now we are confirming all the technical riders and the the venue and the pa and the staging and uh and and on that note i could not tell people that are thinking of maybe coming to this festival the amount of effort and money we spent to make sure it is a world-class venue and stage and PA light system for the fans that decide to show up for the first year because the Cuban Club down there in Ybor City in Tampa is a phenomenal venue. It's got two stages. The main stage is an outdoor open-air festival like our European festivals, 4,500 people capacity, and a huge 40-foot by 60-foot stage um, just again, just like the European people get to watch obituary and the Florida fans and friends of mine always go, God, man, I can't believe you get to go play big stages and I never get to see it. So we are super excited to know that we are bringing in world-class PA system to knock people's socks off. And that's the thing about holding a festival in America, in North America. Uh, a lot of times some, some of the organizers don't have um, the experience of, of going through the rigmarole of a European festival and just how, how they've got it so down. And you guys, obviously, you know how it is over there in Europe. They've, they've got the festival circuit so down. Now you can take all that experience and bring it to uh, Tampa. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it is. It is about experience. It's knowing that you could do it you could do it halfway and you could set up somewhat of a stage and make people build the drums in between a 20 minute set change and grabbing one drum set off the kit off the drum riser and throwing another one up there. But 
Right. You know, we went we went the extra mile, we went the extra effort, and we spent the extra money to make sure that the stage is big enough with a, a wing on the side of the stage that there will be two rolling risers. And I know that really means nothing to fans because they're here to see music and they don't care how the drummer gets his drum kit up. But for the bands, because I respect these bands so much, I want it to be an experience that they're never going to forget. We took the time to make sure that it is a smooth main stage and smooth um, just organization of how this is going to play out. Because again, I've been to festivals that the fans are there. It is absolutely packed and it was an amazing time for the fans, but it was a complete nightmare for myself as a drummer, knowing I had 20 minutes to get my drum set up on a drum riser when the drummer in front of me took 11 of those minutes just to get his drums and beer cans off the riser before I started. So this was very important for me and my brother. And again, Maybe the fans don't even understand or care about that aspect, but it is from the experience that we've had over the last 20 years that we wanted to make it smooth running, which makes it fun for the band members. And that's very important for myself and my brother. Yeah, that's that's something that, you know, people don't realize is when I notice when a festival has like a backstage that's really taken care of, they take care of the bands, the catering's nice, the rooms are nice. And then finally, by the end of the day, you you, you find out, Oh, the organizer used to be in a band. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they yeah. know. It is, it, it is our first attempt. There are going to be speed bumps. There's going to be something that comes up and, and uh, slaps us in the face. And we yeah. say, ah, oh, next year we know. Now we know that this and the transport or the hotel or the bands and the scheduling, something's going to happen. But again, we rely on our experience of just simply being a band that lands in a certain country or in a certain town. And you have those first obvious questions as band members. And the first thing that comes out of band members' minds when they see the person picking them up is, how far is the hotel? And then it's usually an answer. And, <laughs> yeah. and what time is my stage time? And what time is dinner? And uh, just all that, all that stuff that my brother and myself really took the time to just make sure that it's, it makes sense for the band members that are landing in Florida to make sure that it's a fun experience. Not to mention for the fans, because we are going to blow them away with the PA system that we put the deposit down on and that we have for this venue. Wow. That must've been going back to the tour that you guys just finished. That must've been hellish when there's like 35 guys trying to load up on the same internet line and you and your brother are trying to just send an email and some guy wants to watch a YouTube clip of, yeah. you know, a horse jumping over a cat or something, <laughs> you know, and it now, and, and now my God, technology now, even though it's only 35 dudes, they don't only have one device. Everyone's breaking out laptops and their phones. So you got right. 66 different devices uh, on the Wi-Fi immediately. So you learn tactics. Like I would, I would go to bed <laughs> earlier than I wanted, uh, right. just to get up earlier than I needed to get in there and make sure my phone connects to the Wi-Fi. Because sometimes you know how those Wi-Fis in some of those countries, it only allows a certain amount of users. Then all of a sudden, it just starts bumping people off. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because you know it wasn't. It wasn't just about, oh, I want Wi-Fi today to, to stream a horse jumping over a cat. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God, I have to make a phone call today. If I don't get on, I don't know what I'm going to do besides just make a phone call at $10 a second because yeah, yeah. I have to confirm something here. And uh, it made it challenging. But, again, thank thank God for the Internet and venues that bring in Wi-Fi and just the whole idea that we can communicate without having to dial phone numbers nowadays. Yeah, I mean that's that's I mean it's I had no idea this was happening. You guys were doing this when I met up with you guys at Speedfest. I know, I don't know how you and I didn't talk about it cuz Lord knows the minute that I left 
uh, left you, I was like, I didn't even bring up Florida Metal Fest. I'm sitting there talking about cats in my colonies and helping out homeless. And I totally forgot about d- discussing and talking about something I could not be more excited about. Right. Yeah. And I mean, having been to Tampa a few times now, I mean, uh, yeah, over the years, I know that Tampa has a great nightlife scene, a lot of great clubs. I've I've seen it. I mean, yeah, the nightlife there is pretty happening. Yeah. And again, we, you know, we, there are certain parts of central Florida and in parts of Tampa that we could have picked venues that maybe might have saved us money as the organizers. But again, we were very keen on making sure that this is an experience for everybody that is going to be amazing. And Ybor city brings that because the venue is down there and it is in the center and the heart of just Ybor city, which is full of nightlife clubs, restaurants, three hotel rooms that are within walking distance of the festival. And, uh, that that's a lot. That means a lot for again as the organizer of a festival, bringing in the bands and not having to shuttle people for forty minute rides just to get to their stage time. That's that's huge for band members and for the fans. I mean, you know, fans can land here at Tampa International Airport and it is less than a fifteen minute cab ride away. It's it's ten minutes if there's no traffic and you're already at our festival. And then the hotels are within walking distance. And we allowed again spending a little bit more money on on more bodies there for security and for the ticket takers, um, we decided to make it a, a, an event where you you can come and go. You can go watch a couple bands because Ybor City has so many, so many cool restaurants and stuff. We wanted people that came from out of state to not be trapped in the Cuban club. We wanted them to go and have a beer down there at the World of Beer or at the Spaghetti Factory. Um, you know, there's a lot of cool restaurants. So we said, you know what? It's going to actually take a few more dollars, but we want people to, if they want to go out, grab a wristband and then go out, enjoy a little bit of a uh, 7th Ave and 8th Avenue, and then come back and see what what favorite bands they're, they're waiting to see. And uh, again, we didn't have to do that, but we want this just to be kind of a cool experience for the people that want to uh, come to the Florida Metal Fest. And this is going to be, obviously, you've hinted at it already, hopefully, a yearly thing. <laughs> That's right. You know, fingers crossed that we pulled this first year off because uh, from 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 what we have learned and what we have asked and the suggestions and the comments from people that organize festivals the first year, if you break even, you do backflips knowing that you might be able to possibly uh, do a second year. And that's exactly what we're hoping for. We know that people are excited and they they like the idea of a festival but it's sometimes hard to get them to commit and actually come out and spend money to come to the festival uh for the first year so we are we are doing our best at promoting it um and making sure that people realize that you know what we didn't just do a half-assed job we're doing our best to make sure that the people that do show up are going to have a great experience and and hopefully that carries over to next year uh, and and brings more people from not only in Florida but just around the United States and in Europe because again Tampa's it, it's it's the perfect place to come in January when it's usually freezing everywhere everywhere else it's normally uh, beautiful weather in uh, in January in Florida and uh, you obviously want to set yourself up for a reputation that you know there's been other festivals uh, in the past that have. Like, you know, growing up as a metal kid, I would always hear about the Milwaukee Death Fest. And I think Florida, the Florida Metal Fest is you obviously want to set yourself up to that status. Is is that what you're aiming for? That is what we're aiming for. Again, because I am from Tampa. This is my town. I've been here 30 years. Um, I love this town. I I love the people and they deserve a 
an amazing festival. Uh, on the other hand, I know that festival organization is not always, uh, it's not a great business to be in uh, sometimes and some years you're going to probably lose your ass, but it, it is what it is. We are going to, we're going to cross that ground when we get there. The first year that all we simply said was let's bring in what bands we know are going to kick ass and that are good friends of ours to make this a monumental and a historic event for us because again it's not just bringing in any bands all these bands have connections with obituary or simply obituary are huge fans of right. the bands that we invited for this first year right right and that's another thing about being from tampa florida florida death metal is worldwide world known it's kind of like other cities have in like gothenburg and uh I'm drawing San Francisco, obviously yep. New York City, but Tampa, you know, it holds its ground in, in the history of metal as being, you know, an epicenter for for influence in the genre. So yeah. it, it makes sense. You guys hold the cards, yeah. you know, being from Florida. Yeah, and, and it does. You know, this is where, it, 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 argumentally, it, it, this is where death metal was created. Chuck Schuldiner uh, from the band death was one of the first. And it, I call him what was the godfather. Cause, uh, there was metal music and there was heavy stuff going on, but in Florida, Chuck did something and it changed the world. And, and we didn't know it at the time, but we were right behind him and we were rooting each other on. And people wonder, was it a, you know, was there a big competition and was there bitter feelings or anything? We were all in the crowds, at each other's show right. and rooting each other on. So it was an amazing thing, but yes, it did start. It did start with death and obituary and morbid angel and deicide. And so it's, it was about what happened with death metal in the early eighties and into the nineties. And, uh, and we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just about death metal though. Cause a lot of, you know, there's a lot of metal out there and, uh, I, I'm speaking for my entire band. We are not death metal listeners, only death metal listeners. We love death metal and, we have been doing this for 30 years, but we love music. So that's, again, that's why we brought in Madball. We brought in COC and we brought in Trouble because it's about metal. It's not about death metal. We're definitely giving the fans a great taste of some Florida death metal at this first year, but it is about music. And we wanted it to be a festival that people that don't necessarily enjoy that much death metal, at least they can get excited about some of the big dogs that we uh, invited and accepted and are confirmed to come to this festival well that's awesome donald i wish you and john the best of of luck mm. with the uh, the festival uh, next month and i just want to say i've emailed you this but now that i have you on the podcast after speed fest i just want to go on the record and say you guys crushed speed fest <laughs> your set was so pounding heavy oh, it was thanks, incredible man. and we all talked about your set at the end of the night Awesome. And so I just, I, it was amazing. I really appreciate that, dude. And coming from you, I know that's heartfelt because I know you are a, an obituary fan. And, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I thank you very much for that because I've known you now for many, many years. And uh, that, that, that definitely puts goosebumps on my, uh, makes the hair on my, ne on my neck raise and, uh, and gets me excited about the future. Oh, that's awesome. And, and uh, say, say hi to John and say hi to Ken for me. And, <clears throat> I uh, certainly will. Happy holidays, dude. Absolutely. Happy holidays. And I hope everyone's ready for some sunshine January 30th at the Florida Metal Fest. I think you guys have positioned the, the date of the festival um, very strategically because there's people yeah. who are, will be sick of, of the cold and who want to just escape. 
That's right. And that's why we pray. We keep our fingers crossed, our toes crossed, whatever we can cross, that this will be an annual event because people, you know, people that want to get away from the cold, now they have a reason to. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Donald. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Danko.